This message is brought to you by this excellent church. We excel at reshaping people's values and reconciling men to God. You're about to hear peace and preach. Be blessed. <laughs> changing lives thank you lord for turning lives around thank you lord Yes, you are, Lord, you are. You are mighty on your 
Father, we thank you. Thank you, Lord, because you are fixing us this morning. Thank you, Lord, because you are making us better this morning. There are some of you that here that don't even know what you are capable of. You have just been coasting through life. You don't even know what you are capable of. But very soon, you will see. You don't even know what you are capable of. That's, that's part of the root of your issues and all your negative emotions and all your... That's the root. You don't even know what you are capable of. You don't know what you can do yet. But soon you will know. The Holy Spirit will do a work in your heart and soon you will know what you are capable of. You will be shocked by yourself. You will be surprised by your own self. You will see. Hallelujah. Praise God. Let's get into God's word. I've, I've, I've made up my mind that I'm not going to let venue issues constrain us from what we are, what we can do as a church. So we're going to find a way. A lot of things that I, I want us to be doing more, spending more time worshiping and spending more time praying together. But all these logistical issues and all that, we'll, we'll find a way. God will help us. Praise God. Should be having meetings where we we'll sing in the spirit for protracted periods, praying for protracted periods, just you know having a good time in God's presence. Those things are good for believers. As a church, it's very important that we actually create opportunity for the things of the spirit to find expression. We should create opportunity for them. Hallelujah! We need to create opportunity for them. Have life-changing meetings. You know, praise God soon we'll have we'll have more hallelujah praise god it's good to see you guys in church it's good to see new faces it's like you guys i just went for one week and i came back and you guys have you know you're already changing stuff hallelujah i'm so uh proud of those who stood stood for me in my place during the week really proud i'm happy i feel like i'm i feel like a successful pastor but my own metric of success feel very successful. My wife was wonderful last week. God even actually instructed me through her message. Praise God. You know, last week, I, I tend to be cynical. You guys will have known. I, I try not to let it get into my messages, but if you know me personally, I, I tend to be cynical about people. I tend to be cynical about people that people don't want their values to change. They just want to stay with what is not good for them. But then she reminded me of something. The power to save is in the gospel. You know, there are two different things. There's one thing to say, um, there's the power of God and all that. It's another thing to say, in the message is the power of God. It reminded me of the reason why Christianity spread all around the world without using politics or violence. Do you know why? That's why. How does that work? How does an ideology take over the whole world without violence, by just talking to people? By just speaking to people, you change nations, you change people's lives. You change people to a certain religion by just talking to them, not by forcing them. Do you understand that? Not by putting a knife to their neck or making it a national culture that everybody must do this at the expense of their lives or their property. By just preaching to people. You know, imagine a country, a nation of different tribes of people that have been pagans for th literally thousands of years. And then one man just shows up and just preaches a message about a man that died 
in a country thousands of kilometers away 2,000 years ago. And then you believe the message and their lives will change. Do you know why? The gospel of Christ is the power of God unto salvation. In the gospel of Christ is power. It has great effect to touch the hearts of people. That's why Jesus said that when the Holy Spirit comes, he's going to convict the world of righteousness. What are the three things again? Remind me of a sin of righteousness and, and of um, condemn, and judgment. Praise God. He says, of sin, of righteousness, and of judgment. Do you know what happens? The Holy Spirit provides evidence in the message. When the message comes, the Holy Spirit is obliged. He is... I don't use the word mandate, and I don't want to sound like um, I don't want to sound like a normal charismatic girl. Just get carried away and talk talk about God as if God is his mate, right? The Holy Spirit is committed to providing the evidence of the gospel, so that no man will ever say he could not. That's why God will be just on Judgment Day. There will be no man that will say he could not believe because the evidence was not enough. The Holy Spirit will convict. He will convict. He will provide evidence that righteousness by faith is possible by doing a work in your heart. He will convict of sin by providing evidence of the holiness of God. He will convict of, of judgment by providing evidence that Satan has been condemned. Hallelujah. That's what Jesus said. So, you know, we should preach the gospel. Even when it seems like Nothing is changing. You keep preaching. You keep talking to people. It takes time. It takes time. You keep preaching. We keep talking to people. That's why water, you know, water, way, water on its own, when it looks at it, you can, that's why this is just a good, you know, good way to look at it. When you are cynical, you look at water, you say, this is just water. Now look at water. If you pour water on your hand, it doesn't have any, it doesn't have any weight. But that same water, when you align it properly and you're dropping it on a piece of rock, consistently. That same water that you're looking at it and saying, what is this? What is this? What is this? It's just water. It doesn't have weight. It doesn't have force. That same water. Hmm? If you are dropping it on a piece of rock consistently, small drops, small drops, small drops, over time, it will crack the rock. The word of God has power. You keep talking to people. There's someone around you that is difficult. The power, the gospel has power inside of it. As we are talking to the person, Future power coming out of your mouth. Something is changing, even if it doesn't look like it. And that's how I know that the vision that we have as a church of reshaping values and reconciling the world. You know, when you go on Twitter, you, you, I, I took a break on Twitter last week, I was just annoyed. I was just seeing kinds of rubbish takes. If you go there, you just feel like ranting from morning till night. And that's why it seems like there's a cumulative effect of everybody there becoming toxic, because actually, like begets like. The more rubbish you hear, the more rubbish you, are, you end up seeing. Because as they are annoying you, you too you are annoyed, you are giving back to them, and in the multitude of words, there is folly. So you look at it, you just get, you go on Instagram, you go to some comment section, you see some folly, you will just be seeing the, we cannot reshape some people's values, they are gone. Just be cynical. Is this what people are done for? You cannot, you cannot reshape your values. You are, you are, you are possessed. You are, you are going to hell. <laughs> but 
there's power in the gospel. We'll keep preaching. We'll keep sending out God's word. We'll keep doing snippets. When people are hearing, we'll keep sending out. Only one like, only one view. You'll keep doing it. You'll keep doing it. And gradually, people's lives will change. Praise God. And then, you know, so thank you so much. Thank you so much. Um, babe, or what, what, what am I supposed to be calling you now? Pastor IJ. It sounds so weird. <laughs> you know? And 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 she did that and also and also work on Wednesday. Did an awesome work on Wednesday. Mm. Did an awesome work on Wednesday. You know, I'm happy. I'm happy. I'm happy that um you people are getting what I'm saying, and I'm happy that what I'm saying makes sense because it was good to hear another person say it. You know, if you are saying rubbish, you might not know. But if someone says your rubbish back to you. It's more likely that you will hear the rubbish, right? So, you know, another comment I want to make is that I, I really pity you young guys that really fell into the hands of all kinds of teachings and everything. I love the way he started that message. I didn't know that you guys have suffered like that, that some people have told you that faith is inside the spirit and all that. You see the way he took that message. The guy understands faith. He has been hearing what I'm saying. He has been hearing what I'm saying. I'm like, how you have suffered though? But it was beautiful to listen to. And it was strengthening to know that um, it was strengthening to know, reminded of what faith is exactly and how faith comes about. And it is consistent with the scriptures and it is easy to remember. It's not something that if you live here, you cannot preach by yourself. It's not something that you have to go and read your school notes or say, um, my pastor knows how to preach it well. Praise God. I was really happy. I was really proud. And uh, it means that um, you guys shall be doing it again. So you say, what's the idea that said, let's do this again. We are going to do many more. You guys, have you know, the vision of 40 is right from time is that um, we're going to be a community of people that are doing this thing. So you guys have entered trouble. Now that I know that you people know what. <laughs> I know good they preach like before. You guys do just expect you'll be seeing more. More, more, more guys coming here to do more stuff. And then, you know, so that we can have a, a more horizontal kind of ministry and less vertical. Hallelujah. You know, that's why we've not we always been saying this thing from the one. We, we don't want to have a, a vertical ministry of one man at the top and then, you know, we want to have something horizontal, something more spread, where we have a lot of ministers, a lot of people that trust with trustworthy with God's word, who can do well. And so but we believe that by so doing, the, this, the vision of this ministry, which basically is about reaching out to people, will be more, Will be, is more likely to succeed. One man cannot do it, but many men can do much more. Praise God. I go together, church. I have a very interesting message today. Time has gone, and I don't even know. God is going to help me today. So I changed the name of the message last time, at the last minute, because um, I, I think, um, you know, titling the message is important. And I titled the message, How to Love What is Good for You. It's actually a teaching on joy and sanctification. But listen to me. How to love what is good for you. How to love what is good for you. And I want you to write down. And I want you to listen. If I can't finish today, I'll continue next Sunday. And then we'll, I'll reiterate a lot of things and say a lot of things again. Because this message is extremely important. It's, it's close to the heart of the vision of this ministry. How to love what is good for you. How to love what is good for you. <laughs> when I teach this message, you understand why you are the way you are. 
you will understand why you are the way you are. So just listen, pay attention, and follow me. Hallelujah. There's something very strange about the world. You see it in the scriptures, and when you look into in, when you look into the world physically, you also see it, and it feels strange. How is it that some people, despite great suffering, can be very happy? I'm sorry if you were, if you hear for a comment by mistake. I'm still trying to get back into. You understand? So let me let's continue. How is it that people can be happy despite great suffering? How is it that we'll see, we'll see some examples in the scriptures and you also see some examples in real life? How is it that you go to the village or you go to poor places and you see children, adults, people who are very poor, they, they are not accustomed to certain, certain levels of pleasure and they are happy playing in the rain, playing with the mud and the elders are dancing and all those kinds of things. How is it possible that when they do studies on what you call rate of happiness, the poverty capital of the world, like Nigeria, will have one of the highest happiness in this indices. They will do studies, I'm telling you, they will do studies on how women are happy, and then they will go to Saudi Arabia and uh, the Middle East, where they are not allowed to drive, where they don't have rights, the women, and where at the time they do the study, they will say they are happy. And then you go to the place where the women are CEOs in the West and they are doing everything and they are doing whatever, literally, whatever they want with their lives. And they are not as happy. How is it possible? How is it possible that there was a time when people were having arranged marriages? They will literally pick your wife or your husband for you. The divorce rates were lower. People were happier in their marriages than in the time when they leave it up to you. And not only have they left it up to you, you can literally be doing whatever you like before you get married. Have sex with as many people as you like. Even after getting married, you still be doing whatever you like. Yet, people are more miserable. How does that work? After this message, you understand why you are the way you are. And then you understand. Let's just go on. Let me show you some things. First Thessalonians chapter 1. There are a lot of scriptures like this in the scriptures so in the Bible. So just look at it a few. First Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 6. It says, You became imitators of us and of the Lord, for you welcomed the message in the midst of severe suffering with the joy given by the Holy Spirit. How people can have joy in severe suffering. Permit me to say this. If you want to measure suffering, not based on psychological effects, but based on what we call physical outward bad things that can happen to a person, despite how you feel, hmm? very few of you here, or maybe say none of you say, I want to be, I want to push it, have seen severe suffering. Severe suffering. He said that they were full of joy despite severe suffering. Hallelujah. First Peter chapter 1. First Peter chapter 1, verse 3. 
Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you. Who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. In all this, you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. In all kinds of trials. In all kinds of trials. These guys were still rejoicing. In all kinds of trials, these guys were still rejoicing. How is it possible that somebody can be going through proper suffering, real suffering, and still be full of joy? How is that possible? You will understand now. Proverbs chapter 13. Proverbs chapter 13. Verse 12. Hope deferred makes the heart sick, and a longing fulfilled is a tree of life. Hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a longing fulfilled is a tree of life. Solomon, in his wisdom, has used one sentence to encapsulate the core, the core reason for every kind of positive or negative emotions. In one word, in one sentence rather, he has encapsulated the reason for all the positive and negative emotions. All negative emotions are clustered around the fact that a man has a hope, a man has a desire, a man has a longing. There's something that he wants, and that thing was cut short. So, when there's something that you want, and it has not arrived yet, and you are not sure when it will be arrived, when it will arrive, that emotion you have is what we call anxiety. Do you understand that? It's all relative to your desire. There's a desire ahead of you. There's something that you want. There's something you are longing for. And as it's coming, you are not sure whether it will come or not. That response of your heart is what you call anxiety. When that desire, if that desire eventually comes and it is cut short, it was not fulfilled. And the possibility of that desire being fulfilled is taken away. That's what you call sorrow and depression. Do you understand that? And then... When the, the time after your depression and sorrow and you are remembering how that desire was cut short or taken away from you, that's what we call bitterness and resentment. You understand that? All negative emotions are our, are our response to a desire that we are longing for that we have not fulfilled. And all positive emotions, hmm? joy, good self-esteem, all those things are responses to a man whose longing was what fulfilled you know we say happiness is this happiness i thought i meditated on that this thing throughout this week and see it occurred to me that happiness is just what the world calls the same emotion is happiness and joy are the same thing you know we just want to spiritualize the theology happiness and joy are the same thing you know the difference between them happiness is the nomenclature that the world calls it Joy is what we call it because that's the word that the Bible uses. 
Do you understand that? But that positive emotion, when you have a desire, and that desire is fulfilled, the response you have is what? Joy. If you say you wanted to have a car, you wanted to, you desire a car, right? You've been in the trenches for longer, you've been walking with your leg, and then God now blesses you with a car. Hmm? And that car now comes. What is your response? Are you not happy? Don't you have joy too? How are we deceiving ourselves? Happiness is joy. But we as believers, because we have a particular nomenclature, we call it joy. Right? The world, what they call it is happy. That's why when you, what you call joy of salvation, when a believer is happy and you know, the, whole, the Lord has spoken to him and is, in, is in, as, as his place of work and he's singing and he's saying, blessed be, they just say, this lady is just always happy. Do you understand that? Do you understand? They say, this lady is just always happy. She's such a happy child. But when we are talking, we say it's the joy of what? Salvation. So, all your emotions, the, the, the where they come from, hmm, is as a result of your relative position to your desire. Lord, help me today. All your emotions as a, as a result of your, you know, your, your, your relative position to your desires. So that means that the kind of emotions and the state of your heart at every point in time, right, your psychological state at every point in time, is a function of the kind of desires that you have, whether or not you have desires, and whether those desires are being fulfilled or not. Do you understand that? It depends on the desire, the kinds of desire, and whether those desires are being fulfilled. And so, that is the reason why when a person is said to be depressed, the inability to even have desires leads to depression. Do you understand that? Because when you don't even have any desires, you don't have anything that is being fulfilled. It is the same as a man who has a desire and that desire was not what? Fulfilled. So that's why when people are in, in a dark place in depression, one of the things they'll find out is that they don't even have a desire for anything. They just find out that they don't have any desires. And that is the reason why when you've had desires for long and those desires are being cut short consistently, do you know what happens to you? Your heart now stops desiring. Do you know what I just said then? That's why sometimes you have a desire that is ahead of you. And the anxiety is so much because that desire has not come. The anxiety is so much. The anxiety is so much. One of the ways you react is just you shut it down and stop desiring it and then enter depression. That's why anxiety disorders and depression, they always go hand in hand. And bitterness. <laughs> That's why... Lord, help me. I don't want... I've not told you I want to change. Lord, help me. That's why you see some people, the, the people that, that are most resentful on social media, that are always abusing people, talking negative about people, that are always angry. They have reasons to be angry. You know, different types. There are some, the guys, they're always angry about women. There are some women, they're always angry about guys. Some people, they're always angry about church. Everybody has something they're always angry about. Politics, you see them, they're always angry. You know, that resentment. When you go and check most of those people, they're usually bitter people, depressed people. That's why you see that people that are happy, people that have joy, they tend not to be resentful. Do you understand that? 
That's why you see all these old people that are bitter, that are angry. Eh? They're usually depressed. You can, you, you can make an educated guess. This one is not... If you say it, they will think it's word of knowledge. Hmm? You just look at the way a person tweets often. The way they post on social media. Eh? If you notice a person that is always tweeting angrily at it, but is resentful. Eh? Let me give you one hack. Just do like this. Just do word of knowledge for them. Do word of wisdom and say, I sense that you are depressed. <laughs> and the Lord will give you joy. You say, wow, you are accurate. No, I know that. I'm telling you, go and check. You will notice that people that are full of joy, they don't have time to be angry every time. You will notice that a person is always treating men as common, that the worst thing men are animals, men are frogs, men are this thing, they are beasts, they are dust, and then they meet a good man and they get married and they are not treating men as frogs again. All of a sudden, you say, the life, this world is so colorful. I did not know there was color yellow and pink in the world. The world is no more black and white. This man, exactly, this man, Twitter. This man is just giving me joy. I never knew I could see love like this. Church, are we together? I hear what I'm saying to you. It's all about desires. It's all about people's relative position to their words, desires. But this is the issue. Where do these desires come from? What makes up these desires? Hallelujah. What makes up these desires? Desires come from faculties within you. Do you understand that? What I mean by faculties, let me not use English that will just confuse people. There are parts of you that have... There are organs inside of you. There are systems inside of you. You have different things in your makeup that are finding that, um, that can do things. There are different parts of you in your spirit, soul, and body, in your inner man and in your outer man that can do things. They were created to do things, right? So those things that they want to do mm, is what their desires are. They want to find expression, and that's where desires come from. Do you understand? And so that's why desire and the joy that come from it always come as a result of the fulfillment of what those faculties were created to do. Let me make it simple for you. Sexual desire is as a result of a faculty inside of you to what? Reproduce. So when the faculty inside of you to reproduce is finding longing to express itself, what it comes out is what? What we call congee. Do you understand that? This is not a synonym. Do you understand that? When you are hungry, it is a manifestation of the faculty of your, of your, of your, of your body called your digestive tract to do what it was meant to do, which is to what? Process food and keep you healthy. And so, that is the reason why if God has created a faculty inside of you for arts and stuff, you will find yourself looking for opportunities to express it. And when you express the art, you feel joy. Do you understand? You, you, want, you have a desire to express that artistic thing inside of you. So, now let's look at the, the man. Let's look, use that, the nature of a man. You can go and get the teaching that we did on um, the tripartite anatomy so that you can understand this better. I'm going to be saying a lot of things based on that. I cannot be going back. 
That's why if we look at man, and let's just use the way the Bible describes man most often, as I taught you guys, is what? Inner man and what? The outer man. The outer man, which is the flesh, the body, that component of you that is tethered to this world to make you to be relevant in this world, it has faculties inside of it. It was made for a reason, to help you to be earth compliant, to help you to be able to function on the earth. And for you to be able to function on the earth, God put certain faculties in that body that will enable that body to do the things that it can do. Do you understand? So that's why that body must eat so that it can survive. That's why that body must reproduce and so it has sex. And so that's why that body, all those other things, the fruit of the flesh, they are all, ah, God, these people are going to make me go down a rabbit hole. God, just help me. That's why all those things that you see the flesh wants to do is a response to the desires of the flesh to do what is required for it to be compliant on this world. And the negatives, the fear and the negative that comes out from it is a bad, is a negative response to what that body should be doing normally. So it says fruit of the flesh. Um, um, anger, wrath, and all those things. What is anger, wrath, and all those things? It is fear. The body wants to survive, and the body is afraid that something is going to stop it from surviving, and then it manifests as what anger, wrath, fear, and all those things. Do you understand that? You know, um, desires, um, fruit of the flesh, orgies, and all those things, and all those things, and all those things. Is the body wanting to reproduce gone the world wrong way? But there's also a function inside of you called your inner man, called your spirit man. That one has faculties inside of it. And the faculties inside this inner man are even eternal. The faculties of your flesh, because your flesh is meant to make you compliant to this world, when this world ends, that body will also what? End. So that means that even your best bodily faculty, your, your strongest bodily faculty will not pass this world. But there are faculties in your spirit that are functional both in this life and the life that is towards come. So that's why your inner man has his own desires. Your inner man has faculties, and so it, when it was to find the expression, those ex, that expression is what we call the desires of your spirit. That's why there's a different kind of sweetness to having believers meeting where God talks to you. Church, I was together. So that means that if all our emotions, joy, now let's focus on joy itself. You know, it's, it's joy we're talking about today. Let me just let me not go into all the other things. If the Bible says that, how, how did he put it now? He says, hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a longing fulfilled is a tree of life. That happiness, that joy, if it comes as a result of the fulfillment of a desire, what you will find, speaking from what we're talking about the inner man and the outer man, is that the things that give a person joy hmm, are when these faculties are, when the desires that come from these faculties, when they are fulfilled. So the desires of your flesh, when they are, that's why, you know, people say things like, um, um, all these things you are doing in the flesh, um, stop doing them, that is, is that good, is that, there's no joy in all those things, see, forget, there's joy, that's why they're still doing it. You know I just said now? Forget there's joy in those things. That's why they are still doing That's why it's hard for them to stop doing it. Why do you think once people start taking drugs, they can't stop? Drugs are a hack of the flesh to enable you feel like your desires are being fulfilled without you having any desire. So what? It, that's why drugs are terrible. 
So you know what drugs do? Drugs fulfill your desires for the desire's sake. So you don't have any external desire, but it makes you, it gives you the satisfaction and the feeling, the same feeling in your mind of your desires being fulfilled without you having any desire. So what now happens? You now find yourself wanting to have the feeling of your desires being fulfilled without you ever having any real desires. That's why people that go on drugs, their lives end. That's why their destinies become truncated. They can't do anything. They can't function again. Do you know why? Because normally your faculties are fine looking for expression. They are things that they are meant to do. It is when they do that thing or when they desire to do that thing and they do it that joy is meant to erupt. You now find a way for a person to feel joy without them, wanting, without them doing anything. Do you understand that? You did not understand. What drugs do is that they enable you to have the feeling of do of the same feeling you're meant to have after fulfilling your faculties inside of you. They give you that same feeling without you actually doing anything. So that's why people that get on drugs don't want to do anything again. It's a terrible thing. It's a terrible thing. Should we together? So, you have faculties from your flesh that have desires. And when those desires are fulfilled, you have joy. And then you have faculties in your spirit also that when those desires are fulfilled, you have what? Joy. But this is the problem. This is where the issue is. You see, the fulfillment of the, the joy that comes from doing the things of the flesh, right? Fulfilling your faculties of the flesh. There is one problem. There are two problems with it. The number one problem with it is that because the flesh is temporary and all the faculties that it has and therefore all the joy that it can have is for this world, which is temporary, then that means that there is no joy that can come from the things of the flesh that, are temp that, is, that is permanent. It's always what? Temporary. You know what I just said now? All the joy that comes from fulfilling your flesh is always temporary. Because the flesh, the faculty itself, that produces that joy is temporary. It's designed to be temporary. It's designed to help you to be compliant to this earth. It's not meant to be an eternal thing. So all the pleasures you can ever have, all the joys that you can ever have from having your flesh, that's why there's no amount. That's, let me just continue. Let me just continue. Number one is that it is temporary. The second problem, so this is the thing, right? Because it is temporary, right? You have to keep doing it for you to keep feeling that joy. That's number one. The second problem with the joys that come from the flesh is the fact that it can never be enough. It can never be enough. It can never truly satisfy. It can never truly satisfy. So he post that, you know. I love the way the wording that the guy used. The reason why the things of the flesh can never um, um, you know, simplifies philosophically. The guy used the word something called hedonistic adaptation. So what that means is that there is no pleasure of your flesh, there is no joy of your flesh that it can come to you that you cannot get adapted to, that you cannot get used to. Do you understand? There is no pleasure of your flesh that can never come to you that you cannot get used to. Every single one, when they happen, you get used to them. And so, because you get used to them, the joy of fulfilling them is gone. Do you understand that? 
The joy comes when something ahead, right? Something ahead is coming. It has not been fulfilled. And when that thing is now fulfilled, you have joy. Now imagine a situation where the thing that you have been looking forward to, right? When, because of the nature, because it is a temporary thing, when that thing is fulfilled, you are going to get used to it. It can never be new. So that's what we call hedonistic adaptation. And so that's the reason why when it comes to things of the flesh, you have to keep doing them more and more and more. You keep doing them more and more and more to get the same pleasure. Because your body, your flesh will get accustomed to it. That's why psychologically speaking, both the rich and the poor will be having the same feeling of psychological suffering. Someone is riding in private jets. When you, when, when you talk to him, you'll be saying he's depressed. He's, what is depressing you? So you that like, don't have money, you'll be like, which kind of useless depression are you depressing? You say, I'm having anxiety. I'm having... You say, anxiety or from where? You that like, don't have money, you'll be like, ah, me, if I start flying private jet or more, I'll be happy for the rest of my life. It's a lie. You will not be happy. Do you know why? Because the day you start flying private jets, private jets will become normal to you. So the joy of private death dies. You will not start looking for something else. It is when you don't have money that you are living in uh, maybe all those places in all those places that, that are not in Tush in Lagos. And then by mistake, you drive through like you like, ah, if God can just do it for me and I can just get a house in um, Victoria Island. <laughs> When you start living in Victoria Island, Victoria Island will now become normal to you. So that joy of living in Victoria Island will what? Die. When you are married, say, Jesus, don't come until I get married. I want to have sex too. Please don't come until I get married. And then you now get married and marriage will now become what? Normal to you. Another reason is social comparison. When you have a joy set ahead of you, and you say this thing, and then the fulfillment brings you pleasure, by the time you look sideways, and you see that the same joy was set ahead of other people, right, and it was fulfilled for them, what happens is that you will discover that your own joy is not special. So, apart from the fact that you have moved to VI, and then VI has become normal to you, and the joy of living in VR has gone, to make it worse, let me tell you what Satan will now do. You will now look around and you will now see plenty of people that are also living in VI. Do you understand that? You will now see that you are plenty. When you were still living in uh, Yemetu, in Ibadan, you were feeling like, ah, when you first, when you first moved, you first moved from Yemetu to VI in Ibadan, you'd be like, ah, ah, no motivation, you're happy, you're for the first year, you're feeling fly, you know, I've made it in life, and you're feeling fly. Then you will now wake up and now see people younger than you living in the same VI. People older than you living in the same VI. As if it's not bad enough, you now see people from the same Yemen too, too living in the same VI. You will now start asking yourself that. So, what was I shouting about? Say, ah, I must travel, I must travel. Okay, now. You travel, and then you enter, and then the first place where your problem will be is that you, it's the economy you sit. And then you pass through first class. And then you see younger people living in the first class. And I said in the economy, you that if you don't travel abroad, you will hang yourself. Lord, I must travel abroad. I must get visa. And then you enter the plane. You will now see yourself plenty. In the plenty, plenty people in the plane. Not be like, we are many. What's the big deal? 
So, because that joy that comes from the flesh can never satisfy because of this adaptation and social comparison. Do you know what happens? What always comes after it is what? Sorrow. So, that's the problem. That is the problem. You love things that feel good. You love those desires because when they are fulfilled, it's the fulfillment of the longing of your life. So your flesh has desires, right? And when they are fulfilled, they give you some kind of joy. But because of the nature of the flesh, it is constrained. It is inbuilt in it that it has some uses, but those uses are not meant to pass a certain level. Do you understand that? Don't get this thing wrong. People always think of the scripture and they think about the flesh as if it is a completely evil thing. God did not create anything evil. So that's why the desire of having sex with your wife in marriage is a good feeling. Do you understand? So the desire of sex itself is not evil. Do you understand what I'm saying to you? But this is the thing. Though that the flesh was designed for a certain level, not to get beyond a certain bound. But because of the nature of desires, your mind is enveloped by those desires. You might want to make your entire life about fulfilling those desires because just as Paul says, and just as Solomon says, when a longing is fulfilled, it's like a what? Tree of life. The problem with the longings that come from the flesh is that they can never truly, they can satisfy to an extent, but the satisfaction cannot be complete. And so, let me tell you what happens. Just like Solomon says here, because the desires from that flesh, you have adapted to them, and your social comparison has come in, the desires that come from that flesh are now moot. Don't forget what I said before. Lord, help me to explain this thing well. Don't forget where I started from. Joy is the desire is ahead of you. That desire is now fulfilled. Now imagine where that desire eh, has been fulfilled, and now there's nothing to look forward to after that desire again. Is like what I was describing as depression initially. Whereby, since there's no even desire to fulfill, what happens? Negative emotions. So it will now be hope deferred that makes the heart what? Sick. Because now there is no hope. Do you understand that? There is no hope. So it's like your hope being eternally deferred. Social adaptation and um, no, um, hedonistic adaptation and social comparison will make that hope to become no hope because you have fulfilled it and there's nothing more. Sex is still sex. Do you understand that? Private jet is still private jet. Let me tell you the truth. Actually, flying abroad is still flying abroad. In fact, not flying abroad and watching it on Netflix. <laughs> Let me not... <laughs> Listen! But once it is done, it is done. So there is no hope again. So it's like as if the hope is being eternally deferred. And so that's why when a man lives on the flesh, he can get joy for a period. But what comes after is what? Continual sorrow. And so that's why people that are giving themselves to hedonism. I'm not saying a lot of people that got saved like that, they've enjoyed themselves and they say their life is now meaningless. The next thing, they turn to Christ. Can you hear what I'm saying to you? Can you hear what I'm saying to you? Hallelujah. However, the faculties of your inner man, the desires of your inner man, there is a hope. They are, you know, there are faculties in your inner man that are begging for expression. That expression is your desire. 
And those desires are fulfilled by the things of God. And so, the, you know, the joy or the happiness that comes from that, the fulfillment of that desire is another kind of joy. But it's a superior type. Do you know why? Because the faculties and expression inside the things of the spirit are not um, temporary. They are not limited. Just when you think you have heard God and it was sweet, God will show you that you've not heard anything. Why? You know the problem is that desires tend to distract each other. Desires tend to distract each other. That's why God will help you to hear what I'm saying. The problem is that people don't know that desires distract each other. That is the reason why you can be very hungry and then you are watching a movie and watching Netflix and you forget your hunger. Do you understand that? Sometimes you can be watching Netflix and the hunger is strong and then the Netflix is not sweet again because you want to eat. I've seen that kind of thing before. That's why sometimes you can be very, very hungry and then you see your beautiful wife and then the hunger takes the side runner because you understand? <laughs> My people can understand what I'm saying. Desires tend to do what? Distracts each other. You can have multiple desires at the same time. But based on how much a faculty is developed in you, the more developed the faculty is, the stronger the desire that comes from that faculty. Do you understand that? So if you have some faculty inside of you that you don't pay attention to, that you have led them to die, you've led them to live fallow, the desires that come from that faculty will also feel weak. And then there's some faculty inside of you that you have developed, you have given attention to them, you have exercised them, and they have become very strong. What will happen is that desires that will come from that from those faculties to also be what? Very strong. That's why the more you watch, the more you watch porn, the more you want to watch it. Do you understand that? That's why people that were exposed to sex very early and they were having sex for a long time, they are the ones that usually want to have sex more. That's why the solution to um, what they call it, sexual addiction, is not to let me just do this once. If the feeling is coming, if I can just do this once, the feeling will go down. That's not the solution. The solution to sexual addiction hmm, is actually not do it, even when you feel like doing it. Because when you say, let me just do it so that the feeling can go down, do you know what you are doing? You are strengthening that faculty. So the desire will come back even worse, stronger. Do you understand that? That's why you can never say, the thing is coming, the thing is coming, so let me just do this one to make it go. And, and have you noticed that when it happens, if the thing does not go, it will not go. It's coming back again. Because what you are doing is that you are exercising it. And the more you exercise it, the stronger the desires that will come from it. So if you want to actually kill that desire, the way to kill that desire is to not exercise that faculty. So when the desire to, you know, when the need to exercise that faculty comes, you, you ignore it. What happens is that it might not feel like that. What you are doing is that you are gradually killing the desires that come from that faculty. Do you understand that? That's why the more you do some things, the more you want to do them. The more you do some things, the more you enjoy doing them. The more you do some things, the more you enjoy doing them. So desires distract from each other. So that is the reason why the desires of the flesh can actually distract you from the desires of your spirit. You have desires in your spirit, but you can follow desires of your, because the desires of the flesh are so strong, you have exercised the faculty of your flesh so much, the desires of that flesh can actually distract you from the desires that your spirit have. So you will not notice them. They are there, but you will not notice them. Do you understand what I'm saying to you? That is the reason why the more you give yourself to things of the flesh, watching TV, doing all those things, having sex, you know, watching porn, masturbating, and all those kinds of things, the more you feel like as if you don't need to pray. 
It's not as if the desire to pray is not there. You will now go to a believer's meeting and then the minister will awaken that faculty inside of you. And you'll be like, ah, so I like praying like this. It's not as if that faculty was not there. But desires distract each other. That's why when you just meet a babe and you guys are just talking, desire to talk to her, desire to stay in her presence can be so strong that you'll forget that you are hungry. You see children, they want to play. The desire to play will be so strong, they will play and play and play and play and play and forget to eat. Sometimes the desire for sleep, you'll be so tired. You'll forget that you're hungry, you will sleep. And your hunger will be deferred till you wake up. I get what I'm saying to you. Desires distract from each other. That's what Apostle Paul meant when, he, when I was speaking in Galatians chapter 5. And saying the, the things of the, the, you know, the flesh was against the spirit. And so that the desires of the flesh are constantly warring against the desires of the world, spirit, because they distract against each other. And that is also the reason why nobody feels congee or hunger when they have been enraptured in the presence of God. Have you not noticed it? You did. We did worship meeting. You did. Some kind dimension, ah, I've turned to preaching now. Some dimensions of tongues in the spirit is coming out. Do you remember Netflix? It's not as if normally you don't watch Netflix, but at that point, it takes a side burner. Oh my God. There is some believers meeting, and you come out, it's like as if, ah, after this believers meeting, right when I was, you know, when we were young and we were single, and, you know, you, you're fighting a lot of things, you are dealing with a lot of things. You will come back from some meeting like as if, ah, from today, I'm going to be praying at least two hours every day. I'm never going to watch TV again. Ah, the way the Holy Spirit is upon me now. I'm never, I'm not even going to eat again. <laughs> Church, out together. But the desires that come from the Spirit are of God. And so, because God is like, the things of God are like the path of just that keeps shining brighter and brighter and brighter and brighter. The joy that comes from the things of the Spirit can never be cut short. And they can never lead to sorrow. That's why the blessings of God make rich and add no words, sorrow. They can add never add to sorrow because just when you think a hope has been fulfilled and there's no more hope to be deferred, the Lord will give you another hope again to, to look onto. And that hope is fulfilled. And you see another one and it's fulfilled. And on and on and on and on. So that's why no believer has ever got bored of believer's meetings. But you can get bored of TV. Church out together. When my wife read Psalm 40 today, I was like, this woman is anointed. Open Psalm 40. Hey, I'm not even reach half of my message. We'll continue next week. Psalm 40, verse 16. It says, but verse, verse 16, Psalm 40, verse 16. But may all who seek you Rejoice and be what? Glad in you. May those who long for your saving help always say, the Lord is what? Great. Always. Those that seek you. Those that seek you. If your desires are the desires of the things of the Spirit, 
You will never be put to shame. You will never be put to shame. All the desires of the flesh can put you to shame. But desires of the spirit, the desires of the things of God can never put you to shame. Never. When we put everything together, all these things I've said now, I have to end here. There's, there's, I have to end here. If you put everything I've said together now, hmm? everything I've said together now, there's one thing that, will, that you should have realized. If you are looking for joy, that will not turn to sorrow in your mouth. This is another part of the joy of the flesh I not talk about. The, the joys that come from the flesh I not talk about. The joys that come from the flesh, hmm? to fulfill them is always at the expense of something else. So that's why many times the constant gratification of the joys of the flesh leads to another sorrow. You know, number one, the first problem is that you get used to it, right? So the hope is deferred. Your, your hope that was deferred, number comes deferred. Number two, social comparison makes the hope also towards not be deferred. And that thing is the cost of the fulfillment. Another thing is the cost of the fulfillment. Because that hope has, has been, you know, that, quote, that hope, that longing, that fulfilled, that gives you joy, is no more fulfilled. You are constantly looking for a way of reenacting that joy. The cost of it, the cost, the trade-off, what you are sacrificing to fulfill those things, many times, are always terrible things. Always terrible things. When you put all these things together, I, there's a lot so much to say. I, I just need to end at this point. Lord, help me. When you put all these things together and you consider all that has been said, if you think about... Now, okay, let me say this first before I now say that. So, you will discover that what you long for, what we call love, the things that you love, hmm, are the things that your body or your faculties desires. Do you understand? Your desires are the things that you love. You love things because those things can fulfill those desires. That's where love comes from. What we call love. You love things that fulfill those desires. So you can actually love the things of the world and the things of the flesh that can give you a temporary joy, no doubt. But that joy will become tasteless in your mouth after some time. And after becoming tasteless, it will now become bitter. Did you see that progression? It is first sweet in your mouth, then it will become tasteless because of hedonic adaptation and social comparison because there's no difference again. Then it will become bitter. It will become bitter when you now start sacrificing other things. You start sacrificing important things to reenact that joy. And then there are the pleasures, there are the things of the spirit, the things of your inner man. That number one, you are not trading off anything. In, in fact, exercising that faculty makes you a better version of yourself. And not only that, it is a joy that can sustain you perpetually until your last day. It is a joy that can sustain you that even when they tie your hand and they set a lion on you because you're a Christian, you will not renounce your salvation. It is a joy that even when there's no dime in your pockets, there's a desire ahead of you. And that desire for God, for the things of God, is constantly being fulfilled. It makes all those other joys to pale in comparison. It is the kind of longing 
that in exercising the faculties that bring those desires, they actually make you a better version of yourself. The only things you sacrifice for those joys are the joys that can become bitter in your mouth. I hear what I'm saying to you. When you think of all these things, obviously, the desires that are good for you, hmm? the desires that are good for you are the desires of your inner man. The desires of your flesh are only good to a limited level, beyond which they become bad for you. But this is where the problem is, with all the things I've been saying. I've been speaking plenty English. This is where the problem is. It is one thing for we to recognize all the things that we have said. It's another thing for you to love what is good for you. It is one thing for you to know that the joys of the Spirit are the ones that will save you, that are better for your life. It's another thing to actually want those things. Do you understand that? It's one thing for you to know what is good for you. It's another thing for you to want what is good for you. Ah, do you understand what I'm saying to you? That's why people... Uh, this is where the real message is. We'll just continue next week. you see a lot of people making relationship decisions. That's why I was telling that desires distract each other. You know, this is telling you that, hey, let's go out today, let's go out tomorrow, let's go out today, let's go out, let's go out tomorrow. I say, yeah, a man that cannot buy me an iPad on my bed is not, is that one a real man? She's saying it jokingly. Ah. You know <laughs> that this is a problem. You know, but the girl's personality and her perkiness and her shape is speaking to a certain desire. That desire has shielded your eyes from the desire for peace of mind. Is distracting your desire for peace of mind. There are physical desires. There's desire for peace of mind. There's desire for companionship. The, that's why I was telling you that you, you are fulfilling some things at the expense of the others. Those desires for companionship and peace of mind are the ones that are good because that one never ends. That one can sustain you to the end of your life. You'll be happy and you'll be okay. But there is the other one. Boy, it is distracting you. You are not seeing road. You are not seeing where. You are not seeing well. You will now make choice of dating based on that. <laughs> and then they will deal with you. And then that hope that was first a joy, hmm? after the first kissing and smooshing, it will now become, you know, do it for three months, then that hope will now become what? Tasteless. We've been there, done that. Then she will now start showing you her true color. It will now become what? Bitter. We tell you you are not a man. Cannot, cannot buy a phone for me. I'm not a man. It's not be bitter. <laughs> bitter leaf. You are looking at him. You can see that this guy's value system is funny. Once in a while, you see the picture. He's angry. His eye will spark and he will do like this. You will do like you say, no, he didn't beat me, he didn't beat me, he loves me. There is a desire for you to marry someone that, will, someone that will not beat you. But that desire has been distracted. Because he's a fine boy. He's well-spoken and he has money. He is spontaneous. He knows how to trip you and take you out. Those desires are legitimate, but they are only temporary. They cannot satisfy for long. Because when they are spontaneous, 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 very soon one day you say, I want to stay in there. Don't spontaneous me again. He said, let's go out, let's go out. You will soon go out and you go to all the places in Lagos. There will be nowhere to go again. Then they will start beating you. And start cheating on you. <laughs> Do you understand that? So that is the problem. 
It is one thing for you to know what is good for you. It's another thing for you to want what is good for you. Especially because desires distract themselves. So sometimes you can have desires that are temporary that will not lead to anything long, long, and they are distracting you from the real desires that are inside of you that have become silenced because you are paying attention to just some faculties inside of you. How do you get to the point where the desires that are good for you, you want them? Because there are two different things. So you know it's possible for you to know what is good for you and to say, okay, I want this thing that is good for me, I want it. Okay, I want it, right? I want it in the sense that it has not become sweet to you. It has not become pleasure to you, but you know that, okay, the way Pastor Sam is preaching has really touched me. I don't want to turn out like that lady or that guy. Do you understand? Mm -hmm. Then it's another point for you to begin to actually enjoy what is good for you. Where those things that are good for you actually satisfies you. Do you understand that? You can actually get to the point where those desires of the flesh are not distracting you from the desires of the spirit. But rather, it is even the desires of the spirit that have overshadowed the ones of the flesh. How do you get to that point? That's what this message is supposed to be about. You understand sanctification and how it leads to the joy of the spirit. When I get there, you will understand why this thing that our our parents were talking about sanctification, it will save you. All the things that you are afraid of letting go of now because you think you will miss it. When you, be, when you understand sanctification, you will not even miss them. Do you hear what I just said now? You know there's a way you can be thinking and be saying, ah, Momo, all these um, things of the flesh. You, one of the reasons why you'll be, re, you'll be reluctant to let them go is because you are worried that you will miss them. I'm telling you, when you understand sanctification, eh, you will not even miss those things. I'm telling you, you can get to a point in your relationship things, relationship choice, where all those carnal things that used to make people to be, make mistakes, eh? you will not even be feeling them. You will not miss them. That the real things, the substantive things, are the things that will, that will move you, that you'll be enjoying, that all those things will not be... I'm telling you, I've been there. After they dealt with me, you can get to the point where your values will be so aligned with God's word that what will be tripping you in a person is a woman that loves God. You don't have to suffer to get to that point. There's an example I love to use. I, this is one of Chris Rock's special. Maybe I've listened to it. He's talking about when he was younger and he was always going on shows. I went there. He was always going on shows and going on tours and he was sleeping with every fine girl that comes. You know the way the celebrity lifestyle is now? Sleep with every woman that comes around and everything. And then he now divorced his wife. And then he now saw a problem because he loves his daughters. But you know divorce is a terrible thing. After going through the pain of divorce and all that, he said he has got to a point in his life now where all those fine girls that were always coming to him on tour, shaking bum bum for him and all those things, they don't move him again. He said, what turns him on now is peace of mind. That if a woman just looks like someone that will give you peace of mind, that's when you will be attracted to her. You don't need to suffer to get to that point. Right now, before you make a choice, you can actually get to the point where the thing that will be moving you is the good things and not the useless things. You can actually live your life now where people are asking you, have you smoked before? Have you, do you drink alcohol? Do you take drugs? I'm like, ah, I'm missing something. You don't know what to say. you be like, I'm not missing anything. And you won't be saying it because I'm probably Christian. You'll be saying it because you actually don't care for those things. Where you can begin to enjoy what is good for you. Do you understand what I'm saying to you? You can actually go from a place, if you're someone that you have been an alcoholic before, you've been taking drugs before, you've been taking Igbo before, you've been taking all those things before, right? You like vodka too much. All those people, 
You can actually get to the point where all those things will not move you again. You've been addicted to social media, addicted to movies, addicted to all those things of the flesh. You can actually get to the point where those things will not move you again. You know, sometimes you look at all these elders in the field and they look supernatural in the sense that it seems like what they enjoy don't seem sweet to you. As they will say, he's preparing for um, um, what they call it, Holy Ghost Conference, and he goes and prays for 40 days, and he's in a room for 40, 40 days and praying and all that. Oh, be honest with you, let me tell you the truth. Like me, now I can't go back and it's not Holy Spirit. You know? <laughs> because I try to imagine myself locked up in a room for 40 days, praying to God and all that. It doesn't seem like something that is sweet. This thing, let me meditate on this thing. The Holy Spirit made me realize is that the man has exercised the faculty to the point where he's, he's not doing it because he feels better than all of you. The man is enjoying himself in that place. You, a man is telling you that he's fasting for 40 days and you're like, God forbid, right? it looks like suffering to you. The man is doing it because he's actually enjoying it. You see someone praying for six hours and you're like, in one baka, how are you praying for six hours? It's because the person is doing what? Enjoying it. Hi, you, can you hear what I'm saying to you? Oh God, Holy Spirit, I hope the Holy Spirit can open my heart and say it to you the way it is in my head. You get to a point where the things of the Spirit are genuinely delicious to you. Genuinely delicious to you. You can actually get to that point. You'll be looking around and seeing people that are singing in the Spirit and they seem so nice and you, you're like, <laughs> they are enjoying something. You can get to the point where you will also do what? Be enjoying it. When you get to that point, the insipidity of the things of the flesh and the bitterness of the things that come from the flesh will not be your portion again because you will not be orient orienting your life based on the joys that come from the flesh. That this is the reason hmm, why the elders will say some things that sound harsh to your new Marxist postmodernist sensibilities. You, the fathers will tell you things like, are you not a child of God? Why are you depressed? They'll be like, these people don't understand depression. Depression is an organic thing. I don't want to do I'm not taking away. You no, know, listen to me. I'm a doctor too, so I'm not taking away from your lived experiences. I'm telling you where they are coming from. He gets how a person will enjoy Holy Spirit. He gets how person go enjoy. Allow me to speak pidgin. Apologies to those that don't understand. He gets how Holy Spirit go affect your faculties. You could enjoy Holy Spirit to a certain level where we say the things where they depress you, no go, they depress you again. That when the flesh wants to rise up with anxiety, the Holy Spirit will raise the standard of the things of the Spirit. Listen to me, let me say this. I've been saying I went on these notes since. Listen to me, let me say, let me say this to you. Do you know that objectively speaking, objectively, now this is not relative, objectively in the speaking, in the, in the, uh, medical, me, no, in the medical, medical world, we know that mental health issues are increasing, objectively speaking. It's the same genetics. It's the same fathers that give birth to mothers, children. Our genetics are not changing, isn't it? It's the same genes that our great ancestors had that we also have. Look at my children, look at my wife. Look at the way they resemble. It's the same genes. 
It's the same world we have been living in. Yet, we are richer. We are happier than our parents. Yet, we have more mental health issues. That means that to a large extent, listen to me, I'm your pastor, I'm not lie to you. That means to a large extent, mental health issues are amenable. We are not doomed to have them as a generation. If it is increasing, it means it can decrease. Did you hear what I said now? If it is increasing, it means it can also what? Decrease. If it is increasing, it means it can also decrease. What is the problem? Why is it increasing more than ever? Those are the things that the fathers are telling us that they don't understand about us. That's what they mean. Can the problem mean? That's what they are saying. It means that there is a sanctification that can stem the tide of all these things. There are desires, even if you don't feel it, even if the things of this world have distracted you from them, there are desires inside you that you you have not felt for many years, inside you, that when you develop them and you fulfill them, the joy it will give you will wipe away the joy or the negative emotions from the other side. Do you understand what I'm saying to you? It's just that you don't know. They are there, but you don't know. They are there, but you have not felt them. Some desires have distracted you from them for so long that you think they are not there, but I'm telling you, they are there. And when it comes out, hmm? now, this is not to say that there are no mental health issues. Don't you hear what I'm saying to you? But the Lord has made a way that many of these things can be dealt with. Bow down your heads and pray. We'll continue next Sunday. Thank you for listening to this message. We hope you were blessed. For more updates on our programs and audio messages, follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at This Excellent Church. God bless you.